Hebrews chapter 11. Put one of your ribbons in there so you can always come back to it quick. My ribbon. See it? Piece of paper. Something. Hebrews chapter 11. I hope I can preach a message to you about a life of faith. What it means to really live by faith. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read the first seven verses. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. It was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Wow. What amazing things can be done if we just lived by faith. That truly every part of our life was because we were trusting God and that God had His will and His way with us. Imagine what faith can do in our own lives and in the lives of the church. You know, in Romans 1.17 it says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. From one person to the next. The just shall live by faith. The Bible says when you get saved by faith, you need to live by faith. That doesn't mean off and on and once in a while. It means we need to try to live every moment of every day trusting God. It would revolutionize us and the church. So, Faith can reveal the very goodness and the holiness of God in your life. Therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. You have to ask yourself, are you living a life of faith? A life of faith. Where can we point to each day in our lives that says, I'm living by my complete trust in God. That I'm, I'm waiting on Him. I'm depending upon Him. I'm relying on Him. I'm following His Word. I'm obeying Him. You know, not one of us would say we didn't want a life that pleased God. I would believe that we would want to please God with our lives. But the Bible says only faith pleases God. So how can we please Him if we're not living by faith? We can't. If we want to know what a life of faith looks like, then we need to know what faith really is. You know, Faith is not about the unknown. You can know who God is, can't you? And you have a Bible on your lap that tells you who God is. It tells you how wonderful and splendid and, and beautiful and majestic He is and how holy He is and what He can do. You can know about God. You can know about His character. And you can know about His promises. So faith isn't about the unknown. You have a book that tells you who God is. 
But faith is more about trusting the unseen. Anybody in here seen God? Good, no hands. I didn't know what to do if somebody raised their hands. <laughs> I was a, well, let's just keep moving, all right? <laughs> no, we've never seen God. And you know, the world says that uh, seeing is believing. And you know, that's true, I guess, for a lot of the times. We, we, we have to see something to believe it. But you know what? You remember Doubting Thomas? He said, unless I see the prince in his hands and, and I see his, put my fingers into his side, I'm not going to believe. And who showed up? Jesus. And he said, go ahead, put your fingers in there, into that big crevice where the spear went in. and Put your finger into the, the print of the where the nails were pushed in, Thomas, and, and believe. And he said, my Lord and my God. Well, then what did Jesus say? Blessed are those that have never seen and yet believe. You see, it's about faith. And it's not just about being saved by faith, it's about walking by faith. You know, you... For, for, for most people, seeing is believing. But for the Christian, believing is seeing. Just believing your Bible will revolutionize our life. Believing it to the point where it brings forth action in our life. You just cannot see God on this side of heaven, can you? Turn over one couple pages to the right, just to James chapter 1. I just love this verse. It's one of the ones that is in the, uh, the discipleship booklet. For the church in First Peter one eight, whom having not seen you love, in whom though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now, who do you think that's talking about? Jesus. I'm sorry, First Peter. I sure did. What are y'all doing in James? <laughs> Have you no faith? It's First Peter. Now, I may do that a couple times, so just... First Peter 1.8, I'm sorry. Whom having not seen, you love. In whom, though now you see him not, uh, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So, I've never seen Jesus. You've never seen Jesus. But I hope He's the love of your life. I hope He's first and only really in your heart. He's your God and He sits on the throne of your life and you've never seen Him before. But you believe in Him and you trust in what He did and you rejoice with joy unspeakable. Why? Because of faith. Because of faith. Now, go back to Hebrews chapter 11. You see there, faith in verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the foundation, the very foundation for our hopes. And they're all based upon the promises of God. We trust in the promises of God. Do you know how many promises God's put in His Bible? Our memory verse is a promise that no one can pluck us out of the hand of God. That's a promise. You can trust that. And faith trusts God. Faith is the foundation for all of our hopes based on our trust in the promises of God. Faith believes in God's Word. Y'all know Romans 10.17. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So that book is so important to our faith. Faith believes God's Word to the point of action. It's one thing to say you have faith. It's another thing for that faith to be worked out in your life, isn't it? Faith without works is dead, being alone, the Bible says. But in verse 2, Hebrews 11.2, For by it, what's the it? 
faith. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Faith produces action. And if you get anything, that should be seen in your life. You should be able to see my faith. It should be lived out of my life. It should be working every day in my life. And I'm going to look at three areas in our life. But by the, it says the elders, meaning Abraham, Moses, and all those that went on before, all lived and did what they did by faith. And if you've ever read chap, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, you went, wow, how did these people do that? How did they go through what they went through? And I'm not going to read all that. Read it and then say, it was just by faith. It was just by trusting God. When you start reading that, you wonder, why doesn't, why am I not living like that? Why am I not seeing the results like that? Then we realize, I don't think I'm living by faith every day. I think I'm living by sight. And it's not pleasing to God. They weren't perfect, but they were well spoken of. They had a good report and a good testimony. Why? Because they acted upon their faith. Real faith produces action. By faith, we understand that all creation was formed. In verse 3, through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made by the things which do appear. So, it was spoken into existence. The very universe, God spoke into existence. And it's a perfect design, isn't it? Everything is right where it needs to be. And it screams that there's a designer, amen? Well, that designer wants to design your life. He wants to, He has a perfect will for your life. And if you'll trust Him, if you'll walk by faith, He'll be able to accomplish that in your life. I mean, the very stars answer to God. The very stars point to God. All of His creation points up to the Creator. But man, who decides to go his own way and doesn't live by faith. You know, what you see was not made by what you see. Amen? I like easy stuff. What I see out there... Well, I can't see anything now. But when I look outside and I look up into that night sky and my mouth just drops, it's just so beautiful. But it wasn't made by things that I see. It was made by God. And I've never seen Him. But I know He's there. All I have to do is look up into the night sky and I know there's a God. How in the world could it happen any other way? And God's design for your life is going to be by faith. You're going to have to live a life of faith. If God could bring forth a universe into existence by His Word and guide the lives of those who have gone on before, these elders, then we must believe He can guide our lives. He can bring forth His perfect will in our lives. I mean, it's how bad do you really want it? How bad do you really want to walk with God? Oh, I had to ask myself that question. I am not going to rest on anything that was done before, whether it was good or bad. I want to just keep going, but I want to walk by faith. I want a life that is great, greater. It's more ruled by God. What I mean by that is He's in charge more of the time than I am. I want a life that is completely by faith. It's always pleasing to God. So, without faith, we cannot please God. Verse 6 says, It's impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Without faith, we can't please God. God loves faith. Every time you trust Him, even a little bit, He loves it. Because you've depended upon Me. All the little things that you've done, and and uh, there's been some fruit in your life where you just trusted God and you can step back and say, wow, you are so real. I saw you do that in my life. 
He loves that. He loves when you depend upon Him and trust Him. He wants us to seek Him with the sole purpose of trusting Him. His guidance and direction for our lives. Every single part, God can give you direction in your life. You know, we live out in Dripsy, and uh, there's a country road there in front of our house, and sometimes Kathy and I will go walking, or uh, there's been times when I've been walking out there by myself, and a car, I can see it coming, and it'll start to slow down. And uh, then I see the window going down. I said, they're going to ask for directions. I love this because, I, I don't know if I look Irish or whatever, but they think, well, it's just another Irishman, right? <laughs> so they pull up and, and uh, hey, where's Griffin's at, they're asking. you know. Now, they're only half a kilometer away from it. Where's Griffin's at? And I say, what, you just go down the bottom of the hill here and make a left and follow that out to the T, make another right, and there's Griffin's. And they look at you. You're not from around here. I said, but I, said, but I know where I'm going. <laughs> and you don't. <laughs> so they have to trust me. They have to trust me. And we just have to trust God. He knows where he's going, amen. He knows how to get you there. But um, so he's got direction for your life. You know, faith, uh, I love the one where there was some preaching about abiding. Uh, pastor was preaching about abiding. And I thought, faith isn't abiding. And he had all these different words. And I was like, man, I, I didn't even realize how full that word is to abide. But then I thought about it. It really is a resting. When I'm abiding somewhere, I'm just kind of resting. And I'm dwelling and I'm remaining and I'm staying and I'm trusting in God. That brings rest into my life. It doesn't make me more, you know, antsy and, you know, uh, in turmoil. Faith, uh, faith, uh, helps me to abide. That means I'm going to rest in the Lord. I'm going to trust in Him. You have to do it, God. You said you would do it. So I'm going to trust in You. And that Word produces a life that pleases God. So let's look at what faith can do and see where it can guide us in just three major areas of our life. And it's right here in Hebrews chapter 11. And the first one is our worship. Our worship. And that is Abel. Verse 4, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. So the sacrifice and the worship of Abel was by faith. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of his firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, thou shalt not be accept, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So in these 
verses here, we find that Adam and Eve had two sons at this point, right? Two sons. One's a farmer and one's a shepherd. Nothing to matter with either one of those occupations. But in time, both sons bring an offering. Why? Because they were coming to draw near to God. They were coming to worship God. And you have to bring an offering when you come to worship God. They were coming to please God. Now Abel, Abel brought a more excellent offering, a more excellent sacrifice, meaning it was the right sacrifice. Okay? It was the perfect uh, sacrifice. It was the acceptable sacrifice because God accepted his offering of the lamb. It was by faith. You see, Abel listened to his daddy. Abel came and brought the right sacrifice the same as Adam brought. He had to bring a lamb. He had to shed the blood. See, Abel listened to his daddy who had listened to God. And he brought a lamb. He brought that blood sacrifice. Why? Because that's God's way. Faith pleases God. He had to bring it by faith. Now Cain brought the fruit of his own works. Okay? He brought his vegetables. And God was not pleased. And you know the story. How Cain killed his brother Abel because he was so angry that God would accept one sacrifice and not his that he'd worked so hard on. Now before I get too far ahead of myself, you know, one is religion and one is faith. One is trying to do works to please God and the other is just trusting in God. And our worship started when we came to God and wanted to be saved. And the only way to heaven is through the blood of the sacrifice. And that's why it has to be by faith. You have to trust in the substitute who is Jesus Christ. He is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. You cannot trust in your own works and your religion. It won't get you there. The, the, the story tells us that God only accepted the Lamb. Abel, uh, Cain could have went to his brother. Can I have one of your lambs? I want to go worship God. And you know, people are waiting or looking and, and we have the answer to tell them we have the right sacrifice. We can tell you how to be saved. You need to come to Jesus Christ. Go out and find them and tell them that you can't get there by your own works. You can't get there by your own efforts. Your vegetables will not please God. But the blood of Jesus Christ will. See, the application here is we can only worship God His way. The Bible way. By faith. It's an enduring worship. He obtained witness that he was righteous. It says in Hebrews 11.4. God testifying of his gifts. God speaking about Abel. And by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. We're still seeing it and reading about it and hearing it and being edified by it today. Because a man brought the right sacrifice. You know, there's wrong worship out there. There's a whole lot of... Stuff going on in churches that's called worship, but it's not worship. It's vegetables. It's the works of their own hands. They drum it all up. It looks like the prophets of Baal, you know? They're just trying to drum it all up and please their God. Where Elijah just said, put the offering there. He didn't fashion that altar. He just stacked it up. Like it tells us in Exodus chapter 20, that you can't build the altar, the altar, don't fashion it with your tools, just lay one stone upon another and bring the bullock and slay it and put it up there. Because God will provide the materials, it's God's way, and we don't need to try to fix things up our way to be saved. We can't do it. 
God spoke on Abel's behalf and God called him righteous. And we still hear about it today. That there's only one way to heaven and that's through Jesus Christ. It has to be through the blood. Turn back to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. There's a lot of wrong worship out there in churches today. People are laughing like dogs and telling you they're slain in the Spirit and all this silliness. You know, God dealt with that in the book. When it was a Nahab and Abihu brought that strange fire. They didn't come God's way. And God slew them. you got to come God's way to worship Him. If you want to draw near to God, you have to draw near to God God's way. And the only way to prayer is through that living flesh of Jesus Christ who died on the cross, who opened up that way that we might come to God through Him. There's only one way. Only one way. And that's through Jesus Christ. Through a substitute. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 7, but, but into the, Hebrews 9, 7, but into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. See, not without blood. When the high priest went into that holy of holies, he had to have the blood. The tip of his ear, his right, his right thumb, his right big toe, he had to have the blood. Because you can't approach God without blood. You're not going to get there with your vegetables. It's just not going to work. That's religion. And there's a thousand religions out there, but there's only one way to God. (laughs) Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Faith believes that the blood is enough too. Faith believes. Remember when you got saved? You believed that Jesus was enough. You didn't add to it, and you didn't take away from it. You just said, He's enough. And you believed on Him and you trusted in Him and He became your substitute. Hebrews chapter 10. Just over a page, Hebrews 10. And in verse 19, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh. There has to be a substitute. Cain couldn't get there. Abraham with Isaac wasn't enough. Moses had to have the Passover lamb. And today we need Jesus. We need Jesus Christ in order to to come to God. That's our worship and our salvation is all based upon the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. It's not of works. We come to God by faith. Amen? All of our works are as filthy rags. And you know what a filthy rag is. The Bible's referring to our righteousnesses. The best that we can offer God is Filthy rags if you're trying to approach me. If you're trying to draw near to me. You come by faith. Have you come by faith to Jesus Christ yet? To God. Have you come to God and been saved by faith? Because there's only one way. It's through Jesus Christ, the substitute. If you try any other way, all your good works and all that you're scheming up through your religion, it's nothing but filthy rags. And the filthy rags are nothing but a bunch of coverings and wrappings over a sinful heart. It's like the plaster over a a sore on the kid's knee there. When you pull the plaster away, there it is. That ugly looking sore that they got when they fell off their bike. When you put the plaster over it, it looks okay. Well, that's your good works. You're trying to make yourself look good. But when you peel that back, there's a sinful heart there that needs to be dealt with. And only Jesus can can deal with that. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse you and make you righteous enough to go to heaven. All the rest 
is like the bandages and the wrappings that a leper would wrap around his hand or his arm as it was the flesh was falling off and dying. He would wrap himself. That's what God equates your good works to. Leprous bandages. That's the best you can do. Imagine where your heart is. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, We're saved by grace. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we were saved by the grace of God through faith. We come to God's altar of grace. It's called Calvary. It's called Calvary. Not without blood, as it said in Hebrews 9, 7. Jesus bled and died as our substitute and our Savior. And if you want to learn about the altar, I'm not going to go there. It's in Exodus chapter 20 where God said not to take a stone. God told Moses, don't take a tool. Just pile up the stones. And don't make any steps up to the altar either. We want to see your nakedness. You know, back then, the back of the knee was nakedness. Did you know that? If you could see the back of the knee, that was that meant you were naked. Wow! As things changed, amen? But you couldn't make any steps to approach the altar. Why? Because then you could look on that man's sin. The nakedness. Exodus chapter 20. If we want to worship God, we're going to have to come God's way by faith. Amen? We need faith in Jesus for our salvation. The Gospel is His death, burial, and resurrection. That's the Bible way. We need, Jesus, we need faith in Jesus to draw near in prayer for our daily fellowship every day. The only reason you can come to prayer and God hears that prayer is because you're coming through Jesus. It's in the power of His name. It's the Bible way. Amen? How about our walk? Go back to Hebrews chapter 11. Just turn over a page there. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Enoch's daily walk with God, his daily life with God. Every day that he got up, he lived by faith. He lived a life of faith that was pleasing to God. Well, I would love to live a life of faith like that. Where every day I'm walking with God. Not that there's not just moments in the day. When you, when you stop and think about it, you really, your life would have to be saturated with the thoughts of Jesus Christ and the Bible. In order to really, is everything that I'm doing today by faith? You'll find out like I did, how little of it is. And that doesn't please God. Wouldn't you like to live a life that pleased God? I'm talking about a life. Not parts of your life. Your life. Enoch's did. And uh, he trusted God and he believed God. Go with me over to Genesis uh, chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5 and verse 21. It says, And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begot Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred and sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. That's a life of faith. Enoch's whole life was dominated by faith. 
300 years and more, and then he was taken to, he was taken to heaven. He was translated right, right to heaven. He was there, he was there, and then he was gone. Now translation means you're being taken from one place to another. You know, someday because you came by faith to Jesus Christ and you got saved, you're going to be taken from one place to another if the rapture was to happen while you're still alive. You're going to be taken from one place to another. <laughs> Amen. From earth to heaven. Just like Enoch was. How? By faith. By faith. Enoch's whole life pleased God so much, he said, you know what? I want him up here. I'm taking him to be with me. Enoch never tasted death. Now, how much of your daily life is truly lived by faith? I mean, how much do you think about God when you're dealing with your spouse, when you're dealing with your family, your kids, when you're at work, when you're dealing with your friends? How much is that all? How much of your life is ruled by faith? I think you'd find out that we got a lot of work to do if we're going to please God. Real faith changes us. And it's a walk of step by step. Step by step, trust in God. Turn to Psalm 37 if you would. Psalm 37. This is our sanctification every day. Trust in the Lord. Walking with God. I know it would keep us out of a lot of trouble that we find ourselves in. If we just obeyed God, because that's what faith is. To see faith worked out, it's because you're seeing somebody obey God. You're obeying the Lord. That means you're trusting the Lord. Psalm 37, verse 1 says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. You know, we don't really don't have to be troubled about this sinful world. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord, and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. You ought to underline that word trust. That means have faith in God. And do what's right. Obey Him. And He'll keep you under His care. Because you're following Him. Verse 4. You got to underline that word. Delight. Delight thyself also in the Lord. And He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Can you imagine drawing that much pleasure and excitement from your walk with God? Delight yourself also in the Lord. Commit. Verse 5. Commit. There's another one to underline. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. Have you really put your life into God's hands? Teenagers. I was talking with one. He's stirred in his heart about living for God then commit your life to Him. It's more than just, you know, a firecracker going off and an emotional roller coaster here. Coming back from camp, you've got to level out and say, I made a decision. I wasn't on an emotional roller coaster and I'm going down and going back to my old ways. I'm going to stay committed to God. I'm going to trust in Him. I'm going to delight myself in Him. I'm going to live my life for God. I'm committing my way to You, Lord. Boy, you get to that point. Now, God can do some things in your life, teenager. There was such a... When you look out when you're preaching, you look out and you see all these children, these kids out there, what potential lay, lays out there before you that, that God could do with these kids if they would just commit their lives to them. 
we already know many of us the scars and the bruises and the and the you know getting kicked in the teeth that the world can give you. And then you came to Christ, you can be saved and walk with God, and it's a whole it's a whole different life. Hey, you still might go through some things, but now God's going through them with you. You know, if the if if the church would just commit itself, commit its life to God by faith. And then verse 6, and he shall bring forth thy righteousness. Just like, just like, um, Abel there. As the light and thy judgment as the noonday. And there it is. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and it goes on. Rest. Underline that. Rest. That's abide. Have faith in God. And you can have a life of rest. So what's the application? You imagine the profound effects of a life that's dominated by faith. Can you imagine what God could do in our lives if we truly live by faith? Not say it. Not live it once in a while. But commit myself to live a life of faith every day. I just know God could use me in a greater way. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. That's our life. It's a life that pleases God. And your life can please God to the extent you believe Him and you trust Him and His Word. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, probably half the people in here could, could quote it. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. We, 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 can, we can run it back through our mind, but has it ever gotten down into our heart? How powerful that verse is. To put your faith in God. And don't lean on your own understanding. What God could do if we really made our decisions based upon trusting the Word of God. What amazing things could God do in our life, even as a church here, in us and through us, if we just trusted Him. A life of faith. And finally, go back to Hebrews chapter 11. Our work. There's so much that could be said about these. I didn't... Could never preach all of it in one day, that's for sure. So I'm just trying to give you something to think about. You have your worship. You have your walk with God. And now you have your service to God. Your work. In verse, um, verse 7, Hebrews 11:7, by faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. By the which he condemned the world, and became heir of righteousness, of the righteousness which is by faith. Isn't that amazing? You keep seeing that word righteousness attached to faith. Amen? If you're, li- if you're living by faith, it seems like you're living a life that pleases God. If it pleases God, then you might, He says, uh, you're righteous. You're living the right life. You're doing the right things. Noah's work for the Lord was by faith. Okay? It was by faith. And we need to serve by faith. We need to serve the Lord by faith. I mean, how else does Noah build an ark? How else does a family of eight build that ark? That gigantic ship? How do they do it? Bill, do you have any idea? By faith! He did it by faith! There was no other way to do it. He had to trust God. Not only did he have the whole task in front of him of actually building the ark, 
But then he had millions of people mocking him and persecuting him and his family for over a hundred years. But he built it by faith. I'm just trying to wrap my head around that. What could happen in my life if I really trusted God? What would my ark look like? What kind of testimony could I have? You see, I think we're living that much faith. Not that much. Not Enoch's, not Abel's, or Noah's. We're living our little faith because it's comfortable for us. And I'm talking about myself. I want to live a life of faith that pleases God and now God's able to do what He wants to do in my life and not what I allow Him to do in my life because my faith is so small. Imagine what He could do. There's no way Noah builds an ark without trusting God. It doesn't happen. There's no way even Bible camps go on without trusting God. And then we wonder at the end of it how much more maybe could have been done. Noah believed God. And when he was told to do something strange (laughs) and out of the ordinary and out of his comfort zone, what did he do? He just obeyed God. And he trusted God every morning for a hundred years. He had to get up. (laughs) Where's that sledgehammer? Where's that saw? And the people waiting to mock him. How'd you like people mocking your family? Knowing when you get them out there to work on that ark that they're going to be mocking you and laughing at you. See, it all will get you through the tough times when you trust God. Because this world is a God-hating world. It hates God. doesn't want to know God. doesn't want to be accountable to God. And you stand out like a fly in the milk, man. It's just there. What is, what, who are you? You know? I'm a, I'm a man or a woman who wants to live by faith. I'm a teenager that wants to be different. I'm living for Jesus Christ. Who are you living for? So, Noah believed God. Turn to Genesis chapter 6. I think that's our last scripture. Genesis chapter 6. In verse 13. May these words ring down deep in your heart. Romans 6.13 And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Sounds like today, doesn't it? And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now, you don't get haughty in spirit when you read that. It should break your heart. The world's going to hell in a handbasket, as they say. Done. It's gone. But in verse 22, it says, Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him. So did he. All we need to do is obey God. Faith obeys the Lord. Because it trusts God. God's warnings were taken seriously by Noah. And fearfully, I have to ask myself, do I take God's Word seriously? Do you take God's Word seriously? My friend, simple obedience mixed with faith will help get you through the tough times if you want to walk with God. And it'll help you to live for God. Do you take God's Word seriously before you answer? What did I do? Forget to put Before you answer, ask yourself, when was the last time you obeyed God's Word to go and tell others the Gospel? If you take God's Word seriously, then when was the last time you witnessed to someone? When was the last time you opened your mouth 
and told somebody that God's judgment's coming upon this world. So you're not taking the, you're not taking God's warning seriously. He is coming back, isn't he? And he's coming as a judge for this world. Souls are at stake. Before you, do you take God's word ser- seriously? When have you warned another human being of God's judgment? When have you ever given a track out? If you can't remember, then you're not taking God's word seriously. What impact? What impact does your trust in God, God's word produce? See, Noah's faith produced an ark. Noah's faith produced an ark. What's faith producing in my life? What, can, what, where's my fruit? What can I see in my life that, that I'm not doing? God's doing it through me because I'm trusting Him. I guess is the best way I can say it. Noah did something dramatic and amazing because his family's future was at stake. And he believed God. The ark also revealed Noah's trust in God, didn't it? And showed his scorn and contempt for this world. You know why a lot of us don't witness? Because we like the world. <laughs> We're friends with the world. I'm not going to tell them they're going to hell. You might as well tell yourself that because you don't believe in God's warnings. This world's going to hell. People are dying and going to hell. And if you cared about them, you tell them. If you weren't living so close to them, you feel bad when you have to tell somebody that you're hanging out with who's unsaved and cursing all the time. He's a God hater and you're hanging out with him. How are you going to tell him, you know, you shouldn't do that. You're going to go to hell. No, because you're standing there, you're, you're mingling with the unsaved or you're not saved yourself. It's hard. But Noah, Noah's ark stood like a huge judgment against the world. Look at that thing. What is the matter with, with Noah? What is he, popping pills or something? There's something the matter with Noah. No, it was his faith in God. And it stood as a big judgment against them. He condemned the world. The ark judged all those who mocked Noah and also mocked his God. Remember when Moses drew the line in the sand and said, who's on the Lord's side? I wonder if I drew a line up here. Who would come over here and say, I'm going to live a life of faith? If God, if people mock me, I don't care. I'm going to have a testimony that stands like a huge ark that says, I'm with God. I'm trusting God. Do we have an ark to show for our faith? What do we have to show? You do have a testimony, you know. And that can be just as big as an ark. Everybody that's saved in here has a personal testimony that they can share with somebody. It's yours. They can't take it away from me. You can share that with them. They can't take it away. They may laugh at it. That's what happened to me. That's what he's doing in my life. Whether you believe it or not, I believe it. He's changed my life. I'm going to heaven. Are you? What are you trusting in? I hope the teens come away from camp knowing that they can turn this world upside down. I'm looking for somebody to turn the world upside down. God's looking for me. And He's looking for you to turn the world upside down. I don't know how many years I got. In fact, you know what? You don't know how many years you got. So don't think I got 50 years before I'm gone. I might have 50 years. 112. You never know. That's right. 
What are you all laughing about? I can live with I'm going to trust God for 112. But Noah, Noah made it clear whose side he was on. And his family. See, moms and dads aren't alone. you got all the little ones to be concerned about. You better make a decision on whose side you're on. And your family. Otherwise, you're going to lose your kids. You don't want to lose your kids. Man, that world doesn't care about them. It's just going to take them and, and hurt them and destroy their lives. You know, the last thing I got to see when I shut my computer to come to church today was this testimony about some girl who was a drug addict, a needle addict. She was shooting all over and scabs were breaking out all over. And she was trying to plead with that generation. Now, I don't think she was saved, but she had enough sense to plead, please don't go down this road. And I don't think for one minute that, that the children in a Christian family can still go down that same road. A life of wickedness and sinful habits. And Noah made sure his family was taken care of. Noah made it clear whose side he was on. Have you? Have you settled that yet? I want my family on God's side. And I'll, if I have to, I'll bring them kicking and screaming. But they're going to love God. What evidence is there of your faith in God? What work is your faith producing? Look at your own life. I had to look at mine. Where's faith in my life? Where's God getting all the glory and doing what He can through me? Because I'm trusting Him. So, what would be more valuable work than the labor we put forth to see our family saved? At the very least, make sure everybody in your family is saved. Cousins, third cousins, distant, distant, third cousins. Whoever you can, pray for them. Give them the gospel. Who in your own family is away from God right now? You know it. Can you just pray for them? Maybe that will prompt you to do something about it. So, a life of faith is a life that believes and trusts God to the point that it bears fruit. Our faith is in our actions. You'll see how much we trust God. Fruit will be seen in our worship. In our worship, which is our salvation. In our walk, which is our sanctification. And in our work, in our service. Every every day for the Lord. Amen? We can live a, a life of victory. That's what First John 5.4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So faith is the victory, amen? That overcomes the world. You know, make sure you don't have regrets because of what He could have done if you trusted Him more. I'm sure we'll all have a few regrets, but we can minimize them if we just trusted Him and see what He could do in our lives. We ought to just try it. It's called living a life of faith. Let's pray.